0: In January of 2022, we were strongly led by God as a congregation to enter into 40 days of fasting and prayer to ask God what he wanted each of us to do as individuals and what he wanted us to do as a church. And it was a remarkable experience to watch God give individuals, families, and our church a bold, fresh vision of unshakable faith. What we heard was very clear. Our world is being shaken, but we can live unshakable lives if we would increase our faith in God, and we could live lives of unshakable love if we went to the next level with our generosity, both in our giving and sharing of our very lives to love others. We had no idea at that time that the need in our community was so urgent and that the state of Kansas would rank dead last in the U.S. for mental health. So we set a challenging and tangible goal to increase our capacity to care for families by accelerating our giving to $25 million over two years. This would support all of our ministries, build a Westside Family Care Center on our Lenexa property, increase our professional counseling capacity, and expand our comprehensive care and support. We are already expanding our ability to meet the needs of hurting people in our community, particularly in the area of mental and emotional and relational health. We also set a vision to mobilize our West Side family into smaller area communities centered around elementary school areas to act as the hands and feet of Jesus to each other and to the people who live around us. Finally, we wanted to increase our giving to our local and global partners who are doing such remarkable jobs in wrapping God's family around those who are hurting physically and spiritually. In November of last year, we saw an explosion of our collective generosity. Together, we made commitments of $23 million toward our $25 million goal. And it was an amazing day of celebration and gratitude to God as we watched what he had done through us as a family at Westside. Since that moment, we have seen some incredible things unfold. With God's favor, we are now working to break ground on the Westside Family Care Center in early 2024. We have added professional counselors to increase our care capacity and have delivered over 3,500 counseling sessions since our Unshakable launch. Hundreds are finding healing and support in our expanded care groups, including grief share, divorce care, anxiety support, and self-care for both adults and teens. Scores of families have been embraced into community in our area communities with more regular launches planned throughout the year. Over 150 A2 communities are thriving with 1,200 participating and more forming weekly. And God is moving powerfully with over 200 people going to public with their faith in Jesus through baptism. Our student ministry is thriving with over 300 students engaged and growing in community on Wednesday nights. And we are demonstrating God's love in our city and world to orphans, the poor, and those who are suffering. Our 623 One Life Kids are receiving deep spiritual, physical, and emotional support. And our faith and generosity have grown substantially, and we are making great progress toward our $25 million giving goal. So, as we embark upon our one year anniversary of Unshakable, with great thankfulness, we realize we have more to do. If we want to live unshakable lives, we need to intentionally build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So we will refresh our focus on Jesus in a season of growth and learning called Solid Rock. As we experience this Solid Rock series, we are praying that God will speak to us in three different ways. One, there are some of us who are new to Westside and new to Unshakeable, and you have little or no idea of what this initiative is. You have joined our Westside family sometime this year and you wonder, what is this unshakable journey and how do I become a part of it? This opportunity is for all of us. We would love for you to jump in with us and make an unshakable commitment for the next 12 months so that you too can experience the spiritual growth that comes from building your life on the solid rock of Christ. Two. There are others of you who made an unshakable commitment a year ago, and since then, some hard times have come. Maybe you have stayed strong, maybe you are continuing to persevere, but it has not been easy. Things have come upon you that you didn't expect. Job loss, a job change, medical expenses, child care costs, or just inflation. You didn't know it would be like this when you made your commitment, and to you, I want to say, be encouraged take nourishment from this series and reach out to God who loves you and who wants to uphold you and strengthen you in honoring of this commitment that you made. For you, building our lives on the solid rock is about you finishing and committing to finishing strong. And that is exactly what I want to encourage you to do as you take comfort in Christ. Now, number three. There are others of you who made an unshakable commitment who have maybe had an increase in faith or in finances over this past year. It's not that making your unshakable commitment has been easy because it's likely required a lot of sacrifice, but you are sensing that the Lord may be stretching you to take a challenge and to take your unshakable step for him. I want to encourage you to do so through an increased commitment to unshakable. We are building our unshakable faith and love on the solid rock of Christ and God willing, this is what we will accomplish together in the year ahead. Next, we're going to increase our care capacity by adding counselors, care groups, and equip caregivers. Next, we're going to continue to equip and empower our congregation in community through essentials, care groups, and plentiful spiritual development opportunities. Next, we're going to develop our Westside Care Center through design, approval, and construction phases over the next year. Next, we're going to continue to launch area communities to build up Christ-centered families and invest in our neighborhoods. Next, we're going to expand our capacity to demonstrate with love the love of Jesus to the lost, the last, and the least. And as we find ourselves at the halfway point of our unshakable journey, I want us to take the words of the Apostle Paul to heart. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side, for the faith of the gospel. We are declaring with confidence that if we build our lives on the solid rock of Christ, we will live unshakable lives. My hope is that these next weeks will be deeply encouraging and invigorating to your faith as you continue to boldly trust and treasure Jesus with all of your life. So let's do this church. We are unshakable because we stand firm on the solid rock of Jesus. Good morning church. It is so great to see you here at Lanexa, our folks at Speedway, those of you who are watching online. We are at the halfway point of our unshakable journey. We have started strong and now our admonition is that we will finish strong. And so to get us going, uh, our hosts are going to be passing out to everyone what's called the Solid Rock uh, Booklet, and I'm going to encourage you to grab a hold of that and start leafing through it. This will help us in our journey to get to where God wants us to go. And uh, I want to encourage you, as you look at it, you'll see the first few pages are about the vision that you just heard in the video. There's also access to message notes over the next six weeks as well as small group content that your A2 group can go through and you can write notes in it. And then also you'll see probably one of the most important things is this commitment card that we're going to ask for you to keep in a special place and begin now to pray. Uh, if you're a part of the Westside family, uh, what part that you will play in uh, getting us over the top on this initiative over the next 12, uh, the next 12 months. And so what I want to do to really anchor this series is to teach through a very significant portion of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And over these next six weeks, this is the passage that we will be diving into, and you're going to see that Paul is addressing um, an issue that has emerged, uh, and we're calling it the Jerusalem Project. Uh, uh, The very first church that was founded ever is in Acts chapter 2, and it was the church in the city of Jerusalem. Now, fast forward 23 years to the writing of this letter, the church of Jerusalem has fallen on difficult times, and there is persecution And so Paul, the author of this letter, letter, is rallying the churches in the other cities to wrap God's family around the church in Jerusalem, primarily through a financial gift. And he's writing to a group of people in the city of Corinth, the church in Corinth, because they made a commitment, they made a pledge to this Jerusalem project, and now he's writing them to encourage them to complete what they started We're going to see that these two chapters actually give us the longest single discourse in all of the Bible on the subject of generosity and of giving. And what you're going to notice, surprisingly, in these two chapters, Paul spends about 2% of his time dealing with where the offering is going to. And he spends 98% of his time on where the offering is coming from. The offering is coming from inside of us. It's coming from our heart. And that's where he spends his time. Jesus agrees with him. You remember Jesus says, for where your treasure is, finish it, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, Paul is agreeing, that our checkbook register is the best indicator of where our heart is. What we live for and who we live for. An observation to be made is I don't think that God talks so much about uh, the subject of money in the Bible, which he does, because it's the most important thing to God. I mean, God owns it all. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need any money. I think the Bible talks so much about the subject of money because for many of us, it's the most important thing to us. And as a result, when we make it the most important thing, it gets us off track in living the kind of life God intends for us. Anybody who lives with a univision, a single vision of making money, the most important thing in their life, always is robbed of the full joy that comes in Christ. God's plan is to work through us to make a difference in the lives of people so that we get to experience the full joy of living a life that goes beyond ourselves. Research shows that people who are generous are flat out happier people. And that's why as we lean into this initiative and we set this sort of crazy audacious financial goal, we remind ourselves that we have two solid rock goals. The first one is 100% 100% engagement. The number one goal, the priority, is that everyone who calls West Side home here at Lenexa Speedway, those of you watching online, is that you will engage this spiritual journey with us. The second goal of second importance is mission advancement. What does that mean? It means that if someone were to write a check right now for the entire amount that we still need, And we would take it. (laughs) We would still complete this initiative. Because at the end of the day, this initiative is less about the money and the mission accomplishment. And it's first and foremost about everybody taking a step closer in their relationship with God. There's a story told of this church that had uh, their roof was leaking. And everybody knew it was leaking, but they just kept ignoring it. And so finally, they noticed that the ceiling was sagging from all of the water, and so the leadership called a church meeting, and at the meeting, at the very beginning, one of the wealthiest members of the church stood up and pledged $300 to repair the roof. And as he was making this pledge, a piece of the ceiling fell off and hit him on the head, to which one of the members in the back pew said, hit him again, Lord, hit him again. (laughs) Even if... Some of you, someone of you got hit by a piece of ceiling tile at Westside Family Church and had this crazy idea of funding all of the rest of the resources that we needed. We would still go after this because God wants you and we're going to help you get there. So... Uh, we're going to have the opportunity today to dive in, and I have the privilege of speaking of the first few verses. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, you can access them in your Bible, your Bible app, or the West Side app. And Paul is going to talk here in these seven verses about the joy of generosity, and he's going to use in these seven verses the example of a group of churches in the region of Macedonia uh, to encourage us. So let me just read all seven verses to give you some context. Paul writes, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, the Macedonian churches were churches made up in cities like Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So when you read in the New Testament the letter to the Philippians or the first and second letter to the Thessalonians, these are the churches that Paul is referring to here. And these are a group of people who, at the end of the day, really captured the grace of God in their lives. They realized how their life would be without God, and they are blown away that God, out of his grace would make a way for them to live truly great lives in the here and now, and yet for all eternity. And this compelled their generosity. Now I want to briefly share with you just three lessons for us today that we can learn from the Macedonians that might compel our life of generosity. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. They gave themselves first to the Lord. In verse five, we read again, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. As you read the story of the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, to the very end, you will see that God typically does something in us before he does something through us. God typically will do something in us before he does something through us. And here we find the believers in Macedonia were filled with gratitude in their hearts for what God had done for them that they opened up their hands and said to God, we give our whole selves to you, have your way with us. They were so captured on the inside but what God has done for them, they opened up their hands and hearts and says we give our whole self to you Have your way with us. When we do this first, we make this step first, we end up with a relationship with God versus a religion where we seek to do things for God, acting as an attitude that we're doing God a favor through our generosity. And there's a huge difference between the two. That again is why our number one goal is 100% engagement. If all of us will engage with our relationship with God and take steps toward Him, our mission achievement will take care of itself. At the end of the day, through these next six weeks, you're going to discover that unshakable is all about having a solid rock foundation in Christ, that this journey, no kidding, is all about discipleship, you becoming increasingly more like Jesus. If that happens, Katie barred the door. I don't even know what that means. But Katie bar the door. So I'm going to ask you to internalize this and answer the question, what is your posture before God in this moment? I'm going to ask you if you would just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to give you two options. And I want you to honestly, just, just between you and God, whisper which one best represents your current posture. The first one... God, I give you my whole self out of gratitude for the grace you have shown me. Or, God, I'm not quite there, so I will hold on to the top spot in my life at least for now. Just whisper to God, honestly, I mean, he already knows, he just wants to hear you say it, where are you at right now? Got it? All right. Lesson number two, they understood that giving is a spiritual discipline. Write that down. The Macedonians understood that giving is a spiritual discipline, that the spiritual life and spiritual growth is a journey and that you don't arrive overnight. You never stop learning. You never stop growing. Learning to love Jesus, become like Jesus, and to share Jesus is a lifelong journey that has milestones along the way, but will never reach completion, will never reach full maturity until we experience the promised resurrection when Jesus Christ returns. However, every time in this life you choose to make even a small step toward God, it will sweeten and deepen your life, and that's what will motivate you to take yet but another step. I want you to look at verse 7. Let's look at it again. Paul writes, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What he's saying, with the same tenacity by which you approach your education goals, with the same fortitude by which you approach your career goals, with the same vigor by which you approach your physical achievement goals, so also excel in generosity, excel in generosity. And as you get grace, God's grace, you will give more. As you get God's grace, you will give more, you will excel in it. People who don't capture the grace of God have a tendency of being more stingy, the God's, God's grace is going to compel us to offer grace to others. Did you know that the word grace and gift are the same word in the Greek language? They're the same word. The word is charisma. And uh, they, they are like kissing cousins. You do not have one without the other. If you have the one, the other will follow, and vice versa. But it is so remarkable that not only were the Macedonian churches generous, but they were doing so out of a very difficult circumstance... Paul says that they gave out of their extreme poverty. And this is in contrast with the churches in Corinth who were by and large uh, much wealthier than the churches and the people in Macedonia. So he's saying like, hey, if the Macedonians can do it where they're at financially and in their current situation of extreme poverty, certainly you Corinthians can complete the commitment that you already made. But Paul, you don't understand. I'm a student and I don't make enough money. I'm in transition with the job. We just had a kid. We just bought a house. I'm taking care of my parents now. My heater just went out. My car just died. But that's the point that the Macedonians are teaching us today. Giving is a spiritual discipline. What discipline enables us to do when practicing it, even when times are hard. If you do not learn to give when you are an intern making $100, you will not give when you're making $100,000 or even a million dollars. And how I know this comes from the testimony of John D. Rockefeller. You might remember the oil tycoon who was a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone said, oh, if I made a billion dollars like you, I would also give lots of money away. And he interrupted and said, I don't think you understand. I first started tithing at my very first job at an entry level shoes salesman and I learned the discipline of giving. If I had not done it when I had a little bit of money, there's no way I would have done it when I had a lot of money. When you develop the discipline, early on in your life, I speak to our students, you'll find that you'll carry it on as God blesses you with even more. The poverty of the Macedonian believers didn't stop them from being radically I want you to look back up again at verses two and three. Let's look at it again. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. It was sacrificial, but it wasn't forced. It was from the heart, it was voluntary, there was no arm twisting. They could not help themselves. They had learned to flex their generosity muscle, which meant that they could still do it when the times were good and when the times were bad. I want you to take your solid rock brochure here and I want you to turn to pages 16 and 17 and there's this thing called the generosity climb and I want you to identify in this journey where are you at right now in generosity in your life it starts with the initial giver maybe that's where you at in this series you're going to become an initial giver uh, but maybe then you're going to move all the way with the goal, with the motivation, if you capture the grace of God to be an eternal giver. Our goal for you is that you would simply identify where you're at and take a next step in the generosity climb. Now, there are three questions that I want you to ponder this morning and through this series. I'm going to put them on the screen and then just ask you to answer in your heart uh, the, uh, where you're at. The first one deals with next level surrender. What steps do I need to take to move away from the pursuit of my own comfort and to move toward deeper dependence upon Jesus? Number two, next level, faith. How can I joyfully and gratefully honor God with 100% of what Jesus has given to me? And number three, next level, generosity. What new level of generosity can begin to express my gratitude for what Jesus has done for each of us. So a question about surrender, a question about faith, a question about generosity. Once again, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and just between you and God, identify the posture of your heart right now, and you just need to answer the question yes or no to what I'm about to say, a prayer. God, I see giving, as a spiritual discipline that moves me closer in loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus? If the answer is yes, whisper to God, yes. If the answer is no, just be honest and say no, not at this moment. Got it? Good. Let's deal with principle number three. They understood grace-based giving. The Macedonians understood the concept of grace-based living. Grace is one of Paul's favorite words. He uses it 63 times in his letters. And in these seven verses, he used it already three times. Grace is an overwhelming concept. Paul came to us uh, with a horrible background of of persecuting and murdering Christians, and God gave him this whole new way of life filled with purpose. God gave that to him, that was God's grace, and so Paul just keeps going on and on about the concept of grace. It's transformed his life, and he knows it'll transform our life. I want you to look at verse one, and then verses six and seven, to peer at the word grace in its context. Verse one, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Skip down to verse six. So we urge Titus, just as he earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Verse seven. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled into you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I want to, put up a quote from a New Testament scholar by the name of N.T. Wright. Listen to what he writes about this section of Scripture. He says, It meant that under the impulse that came from God, they gave money with almost reckless generosity. They were desperately poor and had suffered serious persecution, but such was their devotion to God and to the work of the gospel and to church unity. They found it in their hearts to give, not only according to their means, but way beyond. This, Paul declares, can only be a work of grace. Here's the bottom line. If we can all capture the grace of God in our lives, I am confident that we will have more resources available than we even know what to do with. And that, my friends, is what solid rock, unshakable, is all about. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we now come to you today, and we're just so grateful as we seek to understand the amazing grace that you have put into our lives. And may we experience this grace and this relationship with you, and may that and that alone be that which compels us to live a life of generosity. And so we pray that your spirit would be free in this place and at Speedway and to all the homes and locations where people are watching online, that your Holy Spirit can just blanket people with a touch of your grace that we would become overwhelmed. And now, Father, we stand to our feet and we offer you our worship and our praise because we are, we have captured where our lives would be without you, where our families would be without you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's be standing as we worship God.